listening to the Alan Carter Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for spending some of your time with us this hour. Do you feel invisible? Are you visible to the naked eye? Under certain light conditions, do you vanish? I know I do. Just like Ontario license plates. Let's get back to this one, folks, because it is jaw-dropping. Once again, we have the provincial government, the government of Doug Ford, inflicting another wound on itself. After a couple of months, maybe six months of relative stability, not sticking its foot too far down its gullet, even dealing with education protests in which the polls show that the majority of people in this province are behind the teachers, but yet the the message, the central message from the Ford government that teachers are very well paid, uh, and that the government itself has made concessions, but the, the unions haven't. That has resonated. The polls have also shown that that has resonated. But here we are with this license plate issue, and again, for what? And we have no solution. Let's bring you up to speed on what has happened here in the last couple of hours, because things have changed since Tuesday, since this story really started to get some steam with the return of the legislature. Doug Ford said on a statement late this after, late yesterday afternoon saying that he's concerned, he's had conversations with the head of 3M, and they're going to work towards it. Some kind of solution. But if you have to get a new license plate today, if you're, if you're up for a new plate, you got to go to the service center and get a plate today, you're getting one of the new ones. And you're getting one of those new blue ones when the government has admitted there is a problem. The government announced these new plates back in April of 2019 to replace the previous versions that some of them, as you know, prone to peeling. And the current government has just blamed liberals for all of it because that's the only thing that it seems to be able to do when it gets into trouble. So these new plates have an option of two slogans. you got your place to grow and open for business. Now let's get you to the to the House today, to question period. And of course, as you know, it came up again in question period because it was just earlier this week that the minister in charge was saying, there's nothing to see here, pun intended. So let's get back to the minister. What is it that the minister had to say today when asked, how are you going to fix this problem? Premier Ford has spoke to the president of 3M Canada on three separate occasions Ooh, three and we now. are seeking an immediate solution to the issues that have been identified with their product. We're extremely frustrated, Speaker, and quite frankly disappointed with 3M that we're all at this point. I am disappointed. I'm disappointed in you, 3M. Two days ago, there was no problem at all. Now, the Ontario government is disappointed and frustrated. Let's play for you what Lisa Thompson, the minister you heard just right there. What did she say about this on Tuesday? The flaking and peeling liberal plates were not an option to stick with. What does that have to do with anything? So now we have 3M with their own statement, basically saying we're working with the government and weirdly blaming the manufacturer. We're working with the manufacturer. Wait a minute, I thought you were the manufacturer. But let's get back to the minister today again who 
you know, as you heard on Tuesday, everything is okay, everything is fine. But again, the minister doubles down on this with the disappointed frustration. We're as frustrated and disappointed as as anyone, yeah. but we are going to work together to, on a path forward to make sure that we uphold the, the plates that have been designed and tested with key stakeholders in Order. mind, but we're also going to be taking into consideration the concerns that we have heard, and again, we're moving quickly with 3M to remedy this situation. Thank you very much. All right, so get you up to date, Dan. Uh, somehow, between Tuesday and now, and originally we had the uh, statement from the Ford government that the Premier had talked to the head of 3M twice, but now it's three times. They're, they're basically their besties now. They're on the phone all the time. And after a couple of days, after just you know two days ago, no problem. Then yesterday, oh yeah, there's a problem. Now we're disappointed it's all 3M's pr- fault. But yet there was supposedly testing, However, the city of Toronto says nobody talked to us about it. Nobody checked that the photo radar, you know, things that we just put in here to try and make roads safer, that they would actually work. Nope, nobody checked. Well, we just got to wait a couple of minutes because Travis, I think, is is actually still in the midst of scrums. Scrums are happening. That's what I'm being told. So uh, just to get you a, a, a scene setter, Queen's Park uh, question period just wrapped up shortly uh, a couple of minutes ago, the actual question period portion, and then all the ministers come out and they do their individual talking. Yesterday, the minister, uh, Lisa Thompson, just just dodged. She, as I, as I joked yesterday, donned a new license plate and turned invisible. And I will note that the NDP picked up on that joke and just used that joke in the house today it was lisa gretzky stood up and and just stole straight out stole my joke well upset about that so the i i don't know yet whether the minister actually came out and answered any more questions today because at this point we have no path forward we 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 don't have any more of the old license plates because all the white ones that they had the extras, they sent that to the scrappy, like, no, oh, we don't need these anymore. And now we clearly have a problem. We have a problem on our hands. And like I said, so what's the solution? It, it appears that Lisa Thompson has been speak, taking, you know, speaking notes from Justin Trudeau, because that was just a word salad. That was just a whole lot of, we're going to work on it. Okay, well, what's the plan? Well, we're going to work on it. I, that's not a plan. If you're getting a license plate today, you're getting one of the new ones. I guess maybe just you can just drive now like you're on the Autobahn. Please remain calm. Because nobody nobody's going to be able to... You know what it is? It's a miracle is what it all is. Uh, the Ontario miracle. It's a, thank you, Premier. Let's get you back down to Queen's Park where Plate Gate continues to grow. The license plates that the Ford government has brought in when nobody actually asked for it continue to have problems. And Travis Danraj is on the line. I know, Travis, you've been trying to ask some questions of the minister. Did Lisa Thompson actually show up for scrums today? No, and my first question to the House leader, Paul Calandra, who was put out, Alan, was, 
Why is the minister who was in charge of this file, Lisa Thompson, incapable or unwilling to talk to reporters? I mean, she has been hiding out from reporters for the past two days, uh, yesterday and today, since, you know, she said that the plates were fine a couple of days ago. So uh, they put out Paul Calandra today to try to clean up some of this mess. And basically the line now is, oh, it's 3M's fault. Yeah, well, I heard that. I want to play this for you. This is Lisa Thompson in the House in question period where she did take questions from the opposition. And here was her response to the growing controversy over these plates. Premier Ford has spoke to the president of 3M Canada on three separate occasions, and we are seeking an immediate solution to the issues that have been identified with their product. We're extremely frustrated, Speaker, and quite frankly disappointed with 3M that we're all at this point. We're frustrated and we're disappointed, Travis. Did Calandra repeat those talking points? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, this is what happened. On Tuesday, uh, they, they realized that there was a big issue with the plates. Lisa Thompson didn't know how to handle the, the scrum with the questions for reporters uh, saying that, yes, there was an issue with the plates. She said the plates were fine. Then they go into a huddle <laughs> and they, they discover, oh, 3M made the plates. Well, it's 3M's problem. And so now that is the line. This is 3M. It's all on 3M. Don't look at us. Um, it's the manufacturer's fault. Uh, as though there would be no oversight if you were getting a product or if you're buying something on Amazon or in a store, you don't look at the product to make sure that it's okay once you get the first order. So now they're saying that they're going to have to replace the plates that are out there already. Um, Paul Calandra couldn't answer how many plates are out there. Wait a minute. They've actually, I didn't hear that. So they've actually said they're going to do a recall on the plates that are out there? So, so he didn't say recall, but he said that the plates that are out there will need to be replaced. So, but, I mean, well, that's, that's a recall. That's a recall. That's a recall. Exactly, right? So, but he didn't give any further details on it. He kind of said it, like, you know, in mid-sentence and just brushed past it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there are safety concerns. They're realizing this is a much bigger issue than they initially thought, and they say that those plates are going to have to be replaced. In terms of uh, issuing new plates, they say that they're working with 3M on that. I don't know how working with 3M on issuing the plates is uh, what, what 3M has to do with that. It's Service Ontario that issues the plates. Because the plates, are, the plates are already in stock. There are people picking up the plates exactly. today. Exactly. So, I mean, he, he's the House leader. He, I, I guess he was briefed on this file, but really it's the ministers who should be answering. And, you know, what you saw in question period was basically all that we got today, which were the same talking, talking points as yesterday because she was not able to answer questions. And the other question here, uh, you know, which you and I have talked about offline, is the timeline, because now it's three times that the Premier has spoken to uh, the president of 3M. Yesterday it was twice, but... Well, if on Tuesday they were saying the plates were fine, then why would the Premier be talking to the president of 3M about the plates? Like, when did they know that there was a problem? Uh, that's a, that's an excellent question. I do notice that uh, Laura Stone, who is uh, a Queen's Park reporter for the Globe and Mail, uh, ran into the Premier on his way in this morning, and right. according to staff, said that, well, it was two phone calls yesterday, and then I guess another phone call this morning. And I know that you saw the Premier yesterday afternoon. What did he tell you? He said that when he heard about the problem, they had to peel him off the ceiling. He was so upset with 3M. Then looking back uh, at, you know, old articles, when yes. the sticker, do you remember sticker gate? Yes, he, he was on the ceiling then, too. He was on the ceiling then. Pretty Guys, nice. let's be positive. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, listen, it, it's a bit ironic 
for the uh, you know this government. Talk about rich. Talk about ironic. Who the premier used to run deco labels and tags. Yeah. Which produces stickers and labels and tags to getting the stickers for the license plates and also the carbon tax stickers wrong. You recall that he actually joked in the wake of the gas station pump stickers that maybe Deco should have had that contract and it would have been better. Well, that's what I that's what I said to the premier's office yesterday, jokingly. I said, well, you should have given the contract to Deco and then maybe it would have been... Everything yeah, would have, have been... Right, yeah. Everyone so, everything would have tickety-boo. Can I ask about... Let me just quickly ask uh, before uh, we move back to the, the license plates. Let's talk about Lisa yeah. Thompson for just one second because she shuffled out of education because she couldn't handle that file bumbled it and now here we have so she's out you know on tuesday saying something and then she's in the house saying something else yesterday and then by that evening by by late afternoon basically she's bigfooted by the premier who kind of steps in here and says you know kind of contradicts his own minister she can't possibly last on the front bench can she I, I don't know how she does last on the front front bench. I, I mean, uh, consumer services is a much smaller file than education, um, and uh, a file that they, I, I guess, initially thought that she could handle. Clearly, that has not been the case with this, if they have to hide her from reporters. Uh, when it comes to license plates, something as you know, simple as license plates, they, we can't get the minister to answer some questions on. So, I mean, I, I would not be surprised in the next cabinet shuffle if we saw, uh, you know, a change there. Who knows? But, I mean, they, they are working with her right now, I guess, and she is answering questions in question period. The premier did not take the questions away from her today, but she stuck to the talking point. They just didn't want to put her in a situation with reporters uh, where she could be got off guard and be thrown off those talking points. And you know, Calander, who I've talked to before, is much, much smoother operator. Yeah, well, that's why he's the House leader, right? I mean, he, he is basically able to take a, a lot of information on whatever topic it is, be briefed on it, and then go out and, and deal with us, the crazy reporters, and try to answer questions. <laughs> This is, you know, what's crazy about this one, Travis, we talked so much about self-inflicted wounds and own goals by this government in its first year. And it seemed as if that sort of thing had kind of been put in the rearview mirror. And here we are once again. Well, listen, and I mean, you mentioned it off the top, right? Like, who asked for these license plates? Nobody, nobody, there was no, like, you know, huge public, there was a petition out there or a huge outcry that we want new license plates. We, we don't like the yours to discover uh, slogan anymore. Uh, so they decided to do this themselves, and, and this is the result. And also, it did not help uh, on Tuesday when Lisa Thompson called the previous plates liberal plates <laughs> and then, you know, took a Google search to find out that they were introduced under Bill Davis, a conservative premier. <laughs> Travis, always entertaining. Uh, thank you. And did you notice, by the way? Three, by the way, of this session. Did you notice, by the way, that the I, I pointed out that the NDP stole my joke about uh, Lisa Thompson when she did not uh, answer questions yesterday, just donning a license plate and turning invisible. <laughs> it's basically I, I write all the comedy for all the political parties. Well, there you go. You should look at the, the news release that when they announced the new plates were coming as well. They said these are going to be reflect. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. These are going to be reflective of the whole way that we are our approach to government. Well, I guess that's you know 
<laughs> you can't see it, opaque, I don't know, not, not, not transparent. All right, this story is going to continue to develop, I'm certain, throughout the day. Thank you, Travis. Appreciate you being on the program. All right, I really want to talk really quickly about what happened uh, in Ottawa today with the uh, blockade because there is an important development. Bill Blair, the public safety minister, speaking this morning, talking about the RCMP in British Columbia, now have offered to move away from the barricaded area and withdraw from Wet'suwet'en territory. Here is public safety minister Bill Blair. Well, I'm hoping that, you know, that, that the, these new conditions, that, that, that I think the, the condition that, that people said was the reason for the barricades has now been met. Um, the RCMP, in, in, I think, in a very appropriate uh, pursuit of, of, uh, of less confrontational and, and in, the, in the goal of peacekeeping, um, have, have agreed to, to continue to serve the area, but by, by locating their people in a nearby town, which is entirely their decision, but I think the right one, um, should bring us to a point now where the matter can be resolved. Where the matter can be resolved. I don't think that that's going to do it. I think that by the end of the day, we're going to find that that has not satisfied anyone. But listen to this from Bill Blair, because for the past week, the provincial government has said this is a federal matter. Check this out. First of all, the responsibility for policing the event in, in Ontario, for example, is, is with the provincial government and the police there, but we have been trying to assist into resolving that dispute um, as peaceably as possible, and we know we understand its complexity. Is that so? Because shortly after that, Premier Ford's office issued a statement saying that today's news regarding the RCMP is a positive step. However, we need a strong federal leadership, a detailed plan, and a timeline from the Prime Minister. So, back and forth, the ball goes. Is it your responsibility? Is it my responsibility? Whose responsibility is it to uphold rule of law in this great nation? I guess we'll just have to wait and see. And see if anything sticks. Thank you for spending some of your time with me this hour. We have lots to talk about coming up. Catherine McDonald will join me on the line. A disturbing case yesterday, a violent bank robbery, three 17-year-olds charged. But that's not the full story. There has been a jump in bank robberies, especially in the suburbs, especially in York region. Catherine McDonald with more on what's going on and the response from Canadian bankers and banks and police and what what that's all about. That is uh, coming up in the radio program, but I want to begin. I want to begin about talking about what happened in Vegas last night. Because what happened in Vegas is not going to stay in Vegas, if you know what I mean. Last night, the Democratic Party held a debate, and it was Michael Bloomberg's first chance to actually introduce himself to the nation in person instead of in many, many TV ads. He has saturated the airwaves with millions upon millions of dollars worth of ads, but this was his first chance to talk to the nation in a debate. He says he is the candidate, the only candidate, who can beat Donald Trump. I'm a New Yorker. I know how to take on an arrogant con man like Donald Trump that comes from New York. I'm a mayor, or was a mayor. I know how to run a complicated city, the biggest, most diverse city in this country. So that was his opening gambit to sort of introduce himself, but from there, things went very, very badly. 
Here's what you need to hear. Now, it's two minutes and 19 seconds. It is two minutes and 19 seconds of a presidential campaign absolutely unraveling. Listen to how the former mayor handles this incredibly pointed attack from Elizabeth Warren. I hope you heard what his defense was. I've been nice to some women. (laughs) That just doesn't cut it. The mayor has to stand on his record. And what we need to know is exactly what's lurking out there. He has gotten some number of women, dozens, who knows, to sign non-disclosure agreements, both for sexual harassment and for gender discrimination in the workplace. So, Mr. Mayor, are you willing to release all of those women from those non-disclosure agreements so we can hear their side of the story? A very few non-disclosure agreements. Uh, how many? Is Let me that? finish. How many is there? None of them accuse me of doing anything other than maybe they didn't like the joke I told. And let me just put, and let me put, there's a be, agreements between two parties that wanted to keep it quiet, and that's up to them. They signed those agreements, so, and we'll live with it. So wait, Good. when you say it is up to, I just want to be clear. Some is how many? And and when you and when you say they signed them, and they wanted them, if they wish now to speak out and tell their side of the story about what it is they allege, that's now okay with you. You're releasing them on television tonight, Senator. No. Is that right? Senator, the company and somebody else, in this case, a man or a woman, or could be more than that, they decided when they made an agreement that they wanted to keep it quiet for everybody's no. interest. They signed the agreements, and that's what we're going to live with. I'm sorry. No, the question is, are I the women bound by being muzzled by you? And you could release them from that immediately. Because understand, this is not just a question of the mayor's character. This is also a question about electability. We are not going to beat Donald Trump with a man who has who knows how many non-disclosure agreements and the drip, drip, drip of stories of women saying they have been harassed and discriminated against. That is the Las Vegas Democratic debate from last night. Senator Elizabeth Warren essentially putting a torch to Michael Bloomberg. And it is going to be difficult to see a path forward for Bloomberg. His first appearance on stage did not go well. And all of it raises a question about can anybody beat Bernie Sanders? Because now that we have the squabbling amongst the anybody but Bernie side, Mr. Sanders continues to lead both nationally and in delegates so far. Here's Mr. Sanders from last night. What we are trying finally to do is to give a voice to people who, after 45 years of work, are not making a nickel more than they did 45 years ago. We are giving a voice to people who are saying we are sick and tired of billionaires like Mr. Bloomberg seeing huge expansions of their wealth while a half a million people sleep out on the street. That is Bernie Sanders last night at the Democratic debate. All of this portends a new, much nastier phase of this campaign. 
as the candidates get back on the campaign trail before 16 states and territories hold Super Tuesday primaries and caucuses on March 3rd. All of it raises the question of how much uglier the candidates might be when they gather again for the next debate on Tuesday night in South Carolina. But Donald Trump, who held a conference or held a rally, pardon me, himself yesterday, has got to be thrilled at what he sees. Because as it appears that Sanders now is beginning to pull away and that the infighting amongst the anybody-but-Bernie crowd of the Democratic Party becomes even more pitched, Trump can demonize the party and demonize who he calls Crazy Bernie. I don't know. This has to be pretty good stuff on the debate stage. We'll talk about, well, you had the best, in many states, the best year they've ever had. And then they said, oh, let's get a new president. I don't think that's going to work so easy. The country's had the best year it's ever had. Oh, let's get a new president. Let's put in Crazy Bernie. Let's go. Crazy Bernie. Then Donald Trump, and this is par for the course for POTUS, a little more gloating. Here's a gloating Donald Trump with a prediction. They just came out with a poll a little while ago. Minnie Mike was at 15, and Crazy Bernie was at 31. That's a lot. And Minnie Mike just spent 500 million. But, but, the DNC, the DNC is going to take it away from Bernie again. And that's okay, because we don't care who the hell it is. We're going to win. We're going to win. We have to. So you see the dual-prong approach here from Donald Trump. If Bernie wins, he gets to campaign against an avowed socialist, which is going to be extremely difficult for Mr. Sanders to be elected. And if Mr. Sanders is not the Democratic nominee, then Mr. Trump will just simply say that whoever is is illegitimate because the party had put its finger on the scales and tipped the scales in favor of anybody but Bernie. All of it plays into Donald Trump's corner. Welcome back to the program. We have breaking news coming in. Roger Stone has been sentenced to 40 months in jail, far less than the seven to nine years listed in the guidelines. Stone was found guilty last year of lying to Congress and witness tampering. He's a friend of President Donald Trump, longtime Republican campaign advisor. The question will be, will he serve even a night in jail or will Donald Trump pardon him? Again, Roger Stone friend of President Donald Trump and longtime Republican campaign advisor, sentenced to three years, four months in federal prison for obstructing congressional investigation into Russia's 2016 presidential election meddling. Let's turn our eye back to what's going on around in our neighborhood. York Regional Police say three male suspects are now in custody after four people were hurt during a bank robbery in Markham on Wednesday night. Officials say emergency crews were called to the RBC near Markham Road and 16th Avenue. Police say the suspects, armed with guns and knives, robbed the bank. A spokesperson said two bank employees were stabbed and two were injured by a quote-unquote blunt object. And the three suspects are all under the age of 17. They are scheduled to appear in court today. Joining me on the line is our crime specialist for Global News, Catherine McDonald. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Alan. Are you going to court today? You know, part of the problem with going to court is uh, the suspects, who are said to be 13, 
15 and 16 cannot be identified because of the Youth Criminal Justice Act. So even if I went to court, there would be little I could tell you about them. I'm told that the 15 and 16-year-old are of no fixed address. The 13-year-old is from Mississauga, and we know that the charges uh, relate to this uh, violent bank robbery last night, but police say these suspects could be the same young men who are wanted for other unsolved holdups across the GTA. And uh, for sure, they also believe that the, get- the getaway vehicle that they located at the bank is a car that was stolen during a violent carjacking just 10 days ago in Toronto where a man was stabbed. So uh, these young men, these, these, these kids, are now wanted for these, this very serious crime, at least two, and, and potentially more. Uh, and people are shocked. I just talked to a construction worker. who and, uh, I understand that the three guys that allegedly held up the bank were hiding in this uh, construction site where I'm working. And I said, did you hear their ages? And he said, how old were they? And I told him. He said, this is so sad. Where, where were their parents? Where are their parents? And I mean, 13 is a young person. This is a child. Uh, people are upset about it, and York Regional Police have been dogged to try and uh, stop uh, what they've said has been a rash of bank robberies in the last few months. Uh, they tell me that so far in 2020, just in January and February, they've set a new record for the total number of bank robberies in one year, and the previous record was 17. So they've been really determined to try and uh, stop uh, this rash of bank robberies. It's too soon to say if these three teenagers are responsible for others, but certainly they're looking into it. and They're speaking with other jurisdictions across Toronto that have had a similar spike in, in uh, holdups. And, and I mean, beyond the ages being shocking, the violence of this robbery last night is also appalling. Yeah, these, this is a classic takeover cell robbery where they ordered employees and customers to the ground and then they demanded the safe be open. Two people were stabbed. I'm told those were both uh, male employees. One with serious but non-life-threatening injuries rushed to hospital. Two others, a man and a woman, were kicked in the face. Uh, these these uh, accused are, are really uh, facing some very serious charges and I, I've seen people sentenced for bank robberies. that They can go away for a long time. Of course, they are youth. They will be uh, given consideration because of their age but still, it's, it's really a sad day when you hear that the accused are so young and two of them, only 15 and 16, don't even have a fixed address which means uh, they don't live anywhere right now that police know of. I know you've also been talking to the Canadian Bankers Association, and when you take a look at the the bigger picture here, all of these robberies, and, and and I take your point that we haven't been able to you know link these suspects to any other incident other than the one last night. But I mean, what's going on inside of banks, especially in York Region right now? Well, and it's not just York Region; it's Peel, uh, York, um, uh, Durham, and Toronto. I mean, banks are actually taking measures to try and keep their employees safe. Uh, Many banks around the GTA are hiring security guards. You see them standing outside. In order to get into your bank, if you're a customer, you have to tell them why you're going in and show them your bank card. Because, uh, you know, the Canadian Bankers Association and the banks are concerned about the safety of their employees. These are very traumatic events when someone comes in and in some cases they put, as you you heard, they're they're stabbing employees, uh, guns are shown. Uh, Please tell me that two guns were recovered last night after the robbery when the, when the arrest was made. So, I mean, these people will be traumatized. And I've done stories over the years where bank employees never return to work after an event like this. And it's odd. It's not odd, I guess, but it, but it is interesting. We rarely actually hear from the bank employees themselves. I mean, they, they generally don't speak. That's a difficult interview to get. 
Yeah, I mean, the bank, uh, we've, we reached out to the Royal Bank this morning. Uh, they wrote, they gave us a statement saying uh, that, uh, you know, our employees are getting counseling and we re- we'd like you to respect their privacy. Uh, they want to protect these employees because I can tell you one of these interviews would be enough to deter anyone from going to work at a bank. And so the, that's the last thing the bank and the Canadian Banking Association wants to do. Uh, a spokesperson with the CBA did tell me that in the last few months they've offered rewards for two of these bank robberies. They do this frequently because they really are, are determined to, to try and stop these crimes that leave people uh, often, you know, unable to work again. It, I mean, it, this doesn't seem to be a crime of opportunity in terms of, you know, weak security. You would think that, you know, robbing a bank would be, you know, a, a, as a potential criminal, you think, well, that, I mean, that is the big time. That's, I mean, obviously the payoff could be big, but my goodness, the the risks involved. Absolutely. And don't forget the security cameras in these banks. They're excellent. So um, the images that police get, you know, they if they catch uh, people involved in a bank robbery, they have a really good case. Uh, if they can, as we last night, we saw three people under arrest. So now you think you, you take these men and you, you link it to the video. Uh, they've got a pretty good case here. And these, these young men could be facing serious jail time. And I mean, I'm hoping for the sake of police that they can link them to these other unsolved uh, bank robberies because there have been a rash. Someone from the Toronto Police Hold-Up Squad told me a few weeks ago when I was speaking to him, he told me off the record, we've had uh, an alarming jump in the, in the number of bank robberies. And, uh, and they are working hard because with other jurisdictions, they know that, for example, in this case, one of the accused is from Mississauga. So they don't you know, stop in Toronto and only rob banks there. They're, they're driving between banks. And some days in Toronto in the recent months, we've seen multi, multiple banks being hit by by holdups. So it really is a problem. And uh, police are very happy in York Region that they actually made an arrest last any, night. But any, they, they threw a lot at this. In any sense that there is a multi-jurisdictional sort of a task force put together for this? Because you make a great point that the criminals don't stop at these borders. Yeah, I mean, I, I read that recently in Halton they actually put together a, a holdup or robbery task force. This this is not this is a very much a multi jurisdictional investigation, uh, and because they they do know that uh, these often these bank robbers are you know doing multiple banks. So um, it, it, interesting. Last night I think they got a big break. York Regional Police tell me the reason they were able to get to the bank and actually, you know, they saw the suspects flee on foot, is because someone was walking by in the shopping plaza, looked in, and saw a man with guns. And then they called 911. So police were able to get there uh, and actually tr- try to appre- apprehend the suspects while the robbery was in progress. Well, wait wait a second. Wouldn't there, wouldn't there be some kind of panic button, like right at the bank the second it happened, that police would be... Well, why would police need a, a phone call from a passerby? Well, you know, I wasn't there, but maybe a bank employee doesn't have a chance to push the panic button. I don't know what happened, but they say the 911 call came from someone walking by who, like I said, they just looked in and happened to see um, suspects with guns inside the bank. And so when they got there, the, the robbery was just still in progress, and these guys took off on foot, and they were found hiding in a sort of a residential area under construction about a few, you know, three blocks away. So they got a break here, and that's what they needed. Catherine McDonald is our crime specialist for Global News, and we'll have more on this big story. And interesting, just not only from this case, but what it means uh, region-wide with this spike in bank robberies. Thanks, Catherine. Appreciate that. You're welcome. And you can watch her story tonight on Global News at 5.30. I want to talk about beer real quick. The province's government, uh, the provincial government's decision to expand the point of sale for beer is apparently hitting the bottom line for the beer store. 
A letter from the president of the beer store has been obtained by the Toronto Star, and in it, it says that the company had an unexpected $13 million cash flow shortfall in 2019, something that the president of the beer store attributed to the opening up of the retail market. Now, of course, you know that at this point, even though the provincial government, the current provincial government has promised that you'll soon be able to buy beer in corner stores, we're not there yet. And the reason we're not there yet is the government just can't simply do it. There's an agreement with the beer store about where the point of sale is. It was the previous Liberal government that opened up point of sale to grocery stores. That's why you can now get a beer at at the local uh, price chopper or wherever it is that you shop. It's the Freshco now. They changed the name, didn't they? That wants me that beer! It's the Freshco. And so, but now we have this, we have a, a shortfall. So the beer store is saying, well, now that you can get beer other places, well, the, the the amount of money that is flowing into the beer store, which keep in mind is not owned by the government, it is owned by a series of foreign multinationals, contacted the beer store today and they issued the following statement. The 2019 cash shortfall at the beer store is a direct result of the opening of beer sales in 450 grocery stores across Ontario. So in otherwise, other in other words, the fact that you can get more, more beer more places means you're not going to go to the beer store with its Soviet style sales, you know, and here's here's a wall comrade, you know, pick the pick the beer that you like and maybe a guy'll go back and get it. Now, I know they're not all like that now. They have upgraded, but still the customer service is, you know, the customer experience. I won't say the service because the people who work at the beer store are, are very, very friendly. And for some reason, they know my name. I don't uh, leave that there. Uh, back to the statement from the beer store. We have a responsibility, consumers in our communities, large and small across Ontario, to continue to fight to keep beer prices low and to deliver other community benefits. This is part of the push by the beer store to stop the provincial government from further expanding the point of sale. And already the beer store is saying that it is going to close t- 10 community stores. Five stores at the end of this month. There's ones that are listed here in Toronto. So more stores are closing. Are you going to mourn the loss of a beer store? Or are you just going to go to the grocery store or, if it ever does happen, a convenience store? I think a lot of people will not be sad to see less money going to the beer store. And the beer store will tell you, well, listen, it's not a profit-driven thing. We're not taking cash out of the system. This is all a collective. And since they renegotiated the deal, they got all these Ontario craft brewers in there. It's not what it used to be. What do you as the consumer want? And keep in mind that to break that 10-year deal that the Liberals signed with with the beer store is going to cost us something so if you want a beer in a corner store, it's going to cost you something. Are you willing to pay that? Big, bubbly, brew questions here on the Alan Carter Radio Program. 